0: Welcome to Conversations with Leaders, Ask the AWS Strategists. I'm Jake Burns, and I'm joined by my colleagues, Brian Landerman and Ashit Vashrojani. Today, we're talking about inertia and how to break the status quo, a topic that's very relevant to the current business climate. Ashit, Brian, welcome back.
1: Hey, Jake. How are What's you? It going?
0: I'm doing great. So today, we're going to talk about inertia and how to uh, break the status quo.
2: Look, I think it's a key... Challenge a bunch of organizations are facing, and one of uh, it's actually one of the patterns that we talk about. We we often talk about becoming high frequency enterprise. It's one of the patterns of moving away from right doing, getting stuck in that period where you're doing what you've always done because it's you know maybe worked in the past or, or just because you haven't stepped back to think more deeply about is this working or is there a different way. So um, it's definitely something that comes up often and and um, a big thing that we had to challenge, uh, at Cox Automotive.
1: Yeah. I, I think it's, uh, as humans, um, we are kind of, uh, wired in some ways to, uh, prefer, um, stethoscope, right? I mean, that's, uh, because it's safe or it feels safe. Um, and that's where I feel like there is, uh, there's a change that is required, which is more psychological change, uh, that a leader has to drive, uh, to overcome that forces of inertia. Um, Because if you look at a lot of study that has been done, we tend to uh, fear the loss uh, of that may arise out of changing something more than we value the gain that may come out of it. Yeah,
2: well, I mean, look, many many of us excel when we have consistent, you know, schedules and and activities. And, you know, I think for me, like traveling is really disruptive to my my flow because it um, it throws everything out of whack right and I think status quo is kind of similar it's like you get used to something, you figure out how to optimize that if you, you have consistent expectations about what it's going to look like and so that I, I think that that complicates it even further because to your point it is that human nature side of things
1: it's not about what's right or wrong right it's really uh given choices, I think we tend to pick. Uh, status quo by a big margin. There have been, I mean, experiments that have been run. Um, I I heard about one uh, unintentional experiment, um, which, which fascinated me that, um, I think a number of years ago, there was a uh, change in the law for the auto insurance. And uh, there was an option available for the consumers to say, uh, I'll pay higher premium, but then I want to retain my right to sue. Right. And the other option was, uh, I give up my right to sue, but then that means I'll pay the. It'll be a cheaper option. And uh, I live in New Jersey, and uh, New Jersey had a, a default option set as so the status quo option set as the cheaper option. Uh, and Pennsylvania, which is a neighboring state, had the more expensive option, uh, which is uh, that I retain my right to sue, set as the default option. Uh, and overwhelming majority of the people. Uh, pick that default option, whatever that was. So it was a, it was an unintentional study, right? Uh, showing that regardless of uh, whether you're given similar choices, uh, it's really status quo that uh, by and large we prefer.
0: So we were uh, we were traveling uh, pretty consistently um, several months back. How long does it take for that to become the status quo, like the new way of operating? And is it possible for like using that example, us traveling constantly, to become the status quo, and then that for to be for that to be disrupted if we stop.
1: Yeah, I, I think we tend to find, as as humans, as organizations, as families, as a group of people, uh, we tend to find, to Brian's point, consistency and uh, uh, rhythm um, mm-hmm. because it's predictable. Uh, it is something that uh, does not create a lot of cognitive load, which we are trying to minimize. Uh, so I do think anything that you keep doing will become right. a force of habit and set a scope. Um, and that's why I think leaders who are trying to drive a change uh, have to intentionally uh, create disturbance right in the system. And that's the role of a change agent where... Uh, unless that external force it's the law of physics right unless the external force is applied whether it is whether it comes through uh a change change agent a an event that occurs outside of your control a major shift uh that happens externally um it's very hard to break that chain of uh deriving comfort in status quo
2: yeah i think y- you need to figure out what you're optimizing against right i think to your your point about um the travel, what I found was that when I traveled a lot, I became a better traveler. It, I it didn't necessarily right. become a better worker on the road. You know what I mean? <laughs> like, I, I just, I got really good at traveling. I I signed right. up for all the programs and, you know, um, got better at timing my flights and all that sort of thing. And the gears and, you know, uh, the gear in my bag and whatever, like, I began to optimize that, which doesn't necessarily drive the result intended by putting me on a plane from the begin the beginning and not to say that it wasn't worthwhile but that's what I t- ended up optimizing where now I'm I'm working from home um, right so, since the pandemic has hit this this external force that you're talking about is shit has kind of forced us to break those patterns and behaviors and and now we're starting to optimize against different things which I don't know I would argue they're much more meaningful. The things that I'm now focused on because I'm not traveling all the time because I'm not optimizing that activity and behavior.
0: Right. Yeah, like for example, these these virtual meetings, right? They were kind of awkward at first. And I would say they haven't quite gotten to the point of being as natural as an in-person meeting, but it's getting closer, you know? Uh, it's definitely a skill that you can build and something that you could get used to and you can get better at. And I noticed the same thing as well, Brian, with, with traveling, I was a horrible traveler, like, cause I didn't do much before, <laughs> before. Uh, and so it's amazing, like how efficient you get at it. Yeah. Right. But I think the larger point is, um, these disruptive events and these, these just, um, you know, when you change the status quo and you, and something is forced upon you that makes you change what you're doing, um, that, that, be, that ability to adapt is a, is a skill as well. And perhaps the most important skill that you can have. And one of the reasons why disrupting this status quo is so important is you get good at adapting after a while, and you also get, um, you're able to kind of iterate over different forms of the new status quo to find out, find better ways than you, that you, uh, ordinarily wouldn't have gone and done. Right. So would we have gone and shifted to hundred percent virtual meetings? If that wasn't forced upon us, right? Absolutely no. not, right? And we would have um, missed out on discovering how effective those meetings can be and how efficient it could be, um, you know. Once we get good at it.
1: So we've been talking about uh, this external event sort of forcing uh, changes, right? One of the one of the things in talking to customers that we uh, have seen beyond uh, virtual meetings um, is that. Uh, I think acceptance of virtual workforce that is anywhere uh, is uh, so widespread. In fact, there are so many companies that are now uh, not only extending, but actually reconsidering the strategy around allowing long term virtual workforce or a percentage of workforce to stay virtual Mm -hmm. uh, even after this pandemic is over.
0: Absolutely. And I think we're learning and everybody in the world is learning kind of simultaneously that it's not only possible, but in a lot of cases likely that your workers are going to be more productive working from home. And so it's just like the, the mm-hmm. virtual meeting uh, thing, like who would have done that? Who would have ran that experiment, especially at that scale? Nobody. But this is disruptive event caused us, forced us to exp- do this experiment. And it could have gone the other way. We could have learned that, oh, people working from home, they just don't work very hard, right? And then we just go back to the old way. But now we have the option with this new information, knowing that a lot of workers are more productive working from home. So perhaps we need to rethink what the status quo should be moving forward.
2: Yeah. Well, and I, well, we've talked in the past about the J curve or in, at a and I guess it was the I curve, right, we said? Yes. But mm-hmm. I mean, that, that trough right. of despair, right? I mean, I think if you – it's so easy to – Kind of kill your experiment in the trough of despair, and and to your point, yeah, I, I I doubt we'd see that because it is awkward in the beginning, and and you do have to adjust and figure out how to optimize that new way of working. But you know, if you think about starting a new job and or you know into a new office space or whatever else, there's that same period right of optimization that is required, and so even in the physical space. We see that, so I think anytime you're testing a new change, you have to you have to let it bake long enough where you've given it sufficient time to be optimized to then say, "Wait, is this viable or not?" And if you quit too early you you end up giving up on it and i I suspect that's why we've ended up. We've let it gone go so far you know and and had to wait for this external kind of force to to take advantage of I mean, how long is video? um video calls been around like i don't know how many years but a, a long time
1: oh i i can tell you in my experience uh uh trying to uh change uh to a collaboration video uh rolling out a unified communication system uh and a collaboration platform across the con- company um the adoption was hard and patchy right right even though the tools were available Uh, And now you talk to customers and they're saying, well, it's 400% growth because pretty much 100% of the company is using it. Um, And so I I also think that technology, right? And we often talk about uh, cloud being this uh, general purpose technology, right? I think that uh, where we are in that technology curve has also played a huge role in our ability to work from anywhere uh, the business's flexibility to uh, scale up and down based on what the requirements and the needs are. Um, and and I think that a lot of, uh, I've spoken to a lot of non-tech uh, CXOs and they, they are not losing sleep over the fact that, oh, what happens if people cannot just connect and work or my customers don't have access to my product and services. Um, and I think that's where cloud has played a huge role in, in sort of giving that comfort, uh, that no matter where you are, no matter what the spike or lull in your workloads are, uh, it can scale.
2: Yeah. I, I spoke to a customer today that, um, the, the quote was something like, uh, we haven't skipped a beat, right? They were in the middle of a transformation, but about obviously had done enough foundational work where, you know, they're, they're still running at this and, and, um, just did a cell kind of a, a celebration across the organization virtually, um, and it was really impressive to hear some of the things that they were doing where, you know, you would typically, as as she was describing it, I'm envisioning this in-person, you know, celebration of different rooms and activities and things going on. And, and it was all virtual and it was um, a big success. You kind of have to be forced out of that comfort zone to, to see things differently. And, you know, one of the examples that – um I think i mentioned to you guys earlier that we're seeing so i live in vermont and um fortunate to have some some open space around us um and you know one of the things obviously events have gotten canceled and you know no concerts but they they essentially made drive-in theater style concerts right they they mm-hmm. um constructed this massive stage and and huge tv that you know is beside it and they're charging you by the carload now and you bring your car load and all the cars are spaced six feet apart or 10 feet apart or whatever. And, um, you can get out of your car and bring chairs and blankets and you hang out. so you're like a, going to a picnic kind of right. <laughs> and, uh, but watching a concert and it's a completely different way of, of thinking about that sort of interaction and environment. And, and it's amazing to see people coming up with these awesome ideas to, to continue You know with connections of people but also taking something that's been around a long time and flipping on on its head and 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 making it work in a time that's really challenging Mm -hmm. to do something like that
0: yeah
1: yeah Um, what do you what do you think about uh uh the kind of changes that will uh outlive this pandemic right What, what
0: do you think will last i think the video conferencing and uh you know, to replace in-person meetings to some extent, it won't completely replace it, but we've learned that we can be effective with this. And especially if we, um, if we get it, uh, you know, we like Brian was saying earlier, he was saying, I think you made, you made such a great point, And I don't, I don't think I've thought about it this way before quite this way, but, you know, being forced to stick with the decision for some period of time to get through that valley of despair, Right. So we talk about the disruptive event forcing us to think about problems differently. But I think we don't talk about enough the the fact that we are forced to find a way to make it work.
2: Yeah. Right. Like what if what if we only had a two week work from home? Wouldn't it change anything?
0: We would say virtual meetings are not effective and we're not going to we're not going to use it moving forward. It was a great temporary solution and we're just not going to do it anymore. Exactly. Right. But we were forced to push through that. And, 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 and find a way to make it work. And that's where, like, the, the great inventions come from and the great solutions come from a lot of the time.
1: Yeah, I think that is, that's also part of, uh, since we're talking in the context of uh, overcoming inertia, um, in the past, uh, we've talked about control demolition, right, in, in cases. I think one of my other favorite thing is you have to eliminate the option of going back. Right. You can't, if you're trying to drive the change, Uh, You cannot be keeping, you can do this, but also continue to do that, right? Uh, And again, one of the things that um, uh, we talk about and we often see when when folks talk about um, uh, cloud first, right? Uh, And there is in some ways sort of this internal shopping going on when you're trying to build uh, a new app or move a workload to say, well, let me compare and figure out: Do I just not do it uh, because I have some life left in my hardware infrastructure, uh, or I push it out a few years or a few months uh, versus I move? And when you make those choices, um, the status quo bias would sort of force us to uh, fall back to the old ways of doing mm-hmm. it. And so you have to you have to not only create the path to move forward you you have to take away the option to go back
0: yes you know there's a um, there's an idea and it's not um not my quote but I, I really like this idea that it's uh it's not obstacles that keep us from reaching our goals it's a shorter and easier path to a different goal that keeps us from meeting our goals <laughs> <laughs>
1: yeah that's amazing I yeah that's it. beautiful
2: well and guys you're gonna have to help me on this one but i i think there's a a quote um that we, we kind of pass around internally from, from Jeff about, um, good intentions, right. Oh, I, yes. I believe, mechanisms. I believe that's why mechanisms exist, right. Is because good intentions aren't enough where, you know, you might, something might occur and right. everyone has good intentions to uh, avoid it recurring.
0: So, so but the good intentions is aren't if enough. You, if you ask, if you ask people to try harder, it doesn't work because they're already trying harder. If you ask for good intentions, they already have good intentions. So you're not asking for a change. So that's right. you know, asking for good intentions doesn't work. Mechanisms work. In, in right. other words, putting in a system in place to drive the behavior and, and the desired outcome, uh, and you refine that process rather than just tell people work harder, try harder, do better.
2: Right. I think I think that's relevant
1: to what we're talking about. Right. It, Absolutely. And, Yep, I think that's uh, the other thing that uh, one is sticking to the change long enough that Brian made, right? So that you uh, give it a chance to succeed. Uh, Other thing is building momentum through uh, the quick wins, right? Often, I think when you're trying to drive a big change, uh, there is a desire to make a big dent very quickly. uh, And that sometimes prevents you uh, in looking at how do I get some things done that moves the needle forward and builds that momentum right, mm-hmm. right? Um, when in our case, for example, when we decided to move uh and I know there are there are different theories right go with the hardest thing first um, we took our intranet and few internal web application and moved right I mean there was that didn't significantly move the needle in terms of uh, outcomes mm-hmm. for us. Uh, but it was a great morale, confidence booster for the teams to say, this is possible. We can actually do this, right? So when you go out of your training and reskilling process, we actually took a bunch of workloads and moved ourselves, mm-hmm. right? And that that's a very powerful, um, positive reinforcement as you're trying to drive the change.
0: Absolutely. You know, that's exactly the approach I took. And I do realize that there, there are, there is the opposite approach that works and there's arguments in favor of that, but, um, you know, it, it's situational dependent, but, uh, getting momentum in your favor is so critical, uh, at least, you know, when you're faced with resistance, um, from, from everyone. Right. So in my case, you know, I only, I not only had resistance among my organization, but also on the greater company right? So there was a lack of confidence across the board. And so by taking that approach that you described, by uh, taking on um, small things that we know we can do quickly and we know we're going to win, um, it, it shows everyone that, hey, we're doing this. We're moving forward. We can be successful with this. Through the people who are doing it, you can do this. So they're, they have more confidence to take on a, a bigger thing. And they're able to practice on the easier thing as well. So they get more likely to succeed in the bigger ones. Um, but, but also outside the organization, all the kind of naysayers and doubters, they can see, you know what, Hey, like maybe it was a small thing, but they did it. And then the next one we do, Oh, it's an even bigger thing. And they did that too. And then all of a sudden we got 10 wins in a row and we're on a winning streak. This is the new normal. We're going to do this.
1: Yes.
2: Right. Well, so I think, you know, as, as we're, we're talking about that and and looking at some of the shifts and, and maybe surprises we're seeing, I, I do think momentum you know, you can use momentum to your advantage to try and achieve a specific outcome. Momentum can also push you towards the new normal, right? And so as I think about some of the biggest surprises, and I'd love to hear from, from you both about about this as well, you know, there's a bunch of data going around and surveys from, from different leaders, and, and there's a significant, I would say, belief that, you know, flying will not return to normal. Um ever at least from the, from their perspective weighing in right now, and that um, you know folks returning to offices will never return to um, to the same levels um i've I've heard conversations about reducing real estate even you know for for different businesses and and so to me that's I think when I sit down and really think about it, it's not surprising right but if looking back at the trajectory that most companies were on that you know certainly our team was on from a travel perspective it it's really surprising um but it's also a perfect example of how you know external events and 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 momentum can really meaningfully shift the status quo
1: yeah yep i i think the um the one of the surprise that that i have uh Seen and I found it very interesting is um, how sort of we have also adjusted to, uh, even in the workplace as well as in our personal lives, right, to uh, socialize uh, and, and uh, entertain out of sort of this new normal that we are dealing with. Uh, and I think that is something that we see um, happening even within the companies because a lot of time I think that that common gathering place. Um, even when you're trying to drive a change, right when you're trying to build a momentum uh, through a nucleus, there's an area where you know you bring people together for a town hall, for a celebration, for uh, an announcement. Um, and that uh, has changed uh, quite a bit and people are successfully doing that as well virtually. Yeah. Uh, the second change that I see is um, just a lot more flexibility in schedule right? Uh, You no longer have to be on a nine to five or 10 to six or whatever time zones, right? Cycle. Uh, People can say, hey, this is, you know, I'm going to do this, then I'm going to focus on something else and then I'll come back to it. So you have a lot more choices in terms of how you balance uh, uh, your personal time with the work time. Uh, And I think companies, even traditional companies are accepting that, uh, and realizing that, that it's okay. You know, it's okay. Nobody, nobody has to be at the same time, uh, working, uh, even if they're individually working on something.
2: I have to agree with you because I think there's something really powerful about walking away from a task. Right. And it doesn't mean that your mind isn't still thinking about it. Like I, I've found I've, I've in the process of writing something right now and, I do think that whether it's shifting gears into different types of work or stepping away for, for a little bit has really strengthened my thinking so that I'm more productive when I'm back on that task. And so it, I agree, it has been interesting to see that um, along the way.
0: Yep. Yeah, in general, I think we're going to keep the best parts of this change, um, and, and but not everything. So in and, and that way, I kind of have a very optimistic view of all of this and, and how, where we're going. Um, I think this is a huge learning experience for, for everybody, for the entire world um, and, and on so many levels. And um, I think the best thing we can do is um, take the learnings that we, that we get out of this on how to, how to do things better. Some things work better. Some things don't uh, in the past few months. If we just take the best of, 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 of the new way and best of the old way, then you know we'll improve moving forward and uh you know that's that's really what we're talking about here right with with uh breaking up the status quo and um experimenting the point of experimenting is not for every experiment to succeed the point of experimenting is to learn and find new ways especially new ways that you know you haven't thought of before or you wouldn't think of before if you didn't do that experiment and so i think in that way um, there's a lot of positives that will come out of this um and a lot of um new ways of doing things. Uh, and, and I'm looking forward to it. Don't forget to subscribe to our channel and remember to submit your questions directly on the enterprise strategy blog or reach out directly to us on LinkedIn. And we'll do our best to answer them in future episodes. See you next time.